Hello friends, fans, and family. This is Chris Manganelli with Tactical Cinematic Development, also known as TCD. For more information, www.tacticalcinematicdevelopment.com or hit us up on Instagram at TCD underscore action. And if you want to learn a cool martial arts move in a minute or less or just a little bit more, PIT underscore fight, hit underscore fight. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the best weapon for the situation in cinema and in real life. So let's talk about cinema. In cinema, there's a couple of factors to consider. First and foremost, you gotta look at how the scene is written. You gotta look at the character development. You gotta take into consideration the director's vision and what the producer comes up with, right? These are all factors that come into play. You gotta check out that scene. You also gotta understand what the environment is. All these little thingies come into play when it comes to utilizing the correct weapon for the situation. So in cinema, let's talk about the way the scene is written. If it is written for the protagonist to be the underdog and to take a massive beating but still survive, then whatever he's attacked with, he or she, and how they're attacked um, will determine how useful whatever it is that they select will be. In other words, if there's injuries written into there where they injure their leg or they lose the use of an arm or a shoulder, then you have to choose the type of weapon that you can use one-handed and that you can wield effectively. Secondly, think about the environment. Are they inside of a house? Are they outside? I mean, you got to think about, are they in a store? These are things that you have to think about. Because if they're inside of a house, and let's let's say they're inside of a kitchen, well, they're injured, but there's a lot of one-handed, wieldy-type weapons you can use in a kitchen. Now, I know the first choice for many, many movies is the proverbial kitchen knife. Albeit butcher knife or the little cutting knife or whatever the case might be my preference is a meat cleaver okay because it's meant to cleave the only issue i have with a meat cleaver is it could be a little top heavy depending upon the size of the cleaver so even better than that ladies and gentlemen i present to you the pot or the frying pan yes it sounds crazy it sounds ridiculous to some of you but let me explain really all you need to do is change the grip you know that when you have a knife in your hand you're going to thrust to to maintain the best control of the knife in a thrusting attack of course you put your thumb on the spine of the knife to stabilize it otherwise if you put your thumb over your index and middle finger you're going to have that instability and it may work against you if there's a struggle, so you have to have it on the spine. With that said, if you take the pot or the pan, and instead of holding it, um, the handle with uh, your thumb over the, the, the index and middle finger, put it on the spine, hook it in there, and now you have a wieldy weapon. And the beauty of it is, it's a nice blunt object, but it could also be used to block. So that's what I'm talking about when it comes to choosing the uh, right weapon for the situation in cinema. And again, they're injured. Let's say they only have the use of one hand and they're in a kitchen. But 
let's say there it's a situation where they're in an office. What then? You don't have pots, pans, or knives in an office. So what do you have? Well, you have a stapler. Take the stapler, throw the stapler. You can beat someone with a stapler. It's not a stabbing weapon, but it is a blunt object and it is a weapon of opportunity. One of the more common weapons in an office type of uh, scene would be the letter opener, the proverbial letter opener. Why? Because it has a certain amount of length. It's not good for slashing, but it's good uh, for stabbing, for instance. So you have certain things that you could use uh, in an office. I remember one such movie, I saw that uh, they had one of those old school paper cutters. One of the people took that the cutting part of the paper cutter off of the platform that it's attached to, and now they had a makeshift machete, which made, you know, a decent weapon. A little hard to wield, but it made for a decent weapon. All right, let's move over to real life. In real life, let's start with home defense. Okay, in home defense, I do not recommend the Louisville Slugger, the big wooden bat. Why? Because it's top heavy, it's a two-handed weapon, and if you have to swing it indoors, you may swing, hit something other, and hit something other than the assailant. You could use it as a poking weapon, but it's not gonna do that much damage. Because once the assailant gets close to you, and they close the distance, all that poking, that's that's gonna take second place now to you uh, having to fight them off because now your hands are both occupied. And now you have to make the decisions. Do I drop the bat and defend myself or do I hold on to it and try to poke him with it while, he's, while he or she is beating me? Now chances are if it's a home invasion, they're gonna come armed anyway. So that Louisville Slugger, it's not gonna do much. So what I would recommend if you need to use a two-handed weapon is your shotgun. Nice Mossberg uh, shotgun works very well. Or, you know, any, any shotgun with double-lock buck as your ammunition with a nice wide spread will do the job. First and foremost, what I love about the shotgun is it has a, a, a psychological effect. You don't even have to be in the room. They just have to hear you. And when they hear that rack, that ch-ch, and they can't see you, that immediately sends a message. If we move further, we don't know if we're going to get shot. We don't know where the person's at. They just heard the rack. It has that psychological effect. Secondary to that, I would say your fundamental handgun. The only issue with that is if you need, is you need to aim. And in, in when you are in a high stress situation and you start shooting and letting off rounds, it's easy to miss, even at short distances. With a shotgun, it's different because it has that widespread. Point shoot, it's gonna go all over the place. A handgun, even a long gun, you, you run the risk of missing very easily. So yeah, it's, it's a good fallback weapon uh, if you're retreating and they're coming at you. Um, and it's a one-handed weapon, so you have one hand free, but at the same time, it requires that aim. And in a situation where your adrenaline is up and, and for some people, you're really, really scared, um, it might not be the best option, but if it's the only option you have, then use it. Going back to film, I was talking about character development and the way the scene is written. Now, if the scene is written for a character that is trained and they are, let's say, a military character, 
that's on a search and destroy mission, or a law enforcement character that's a member of a SWAT team. And remember what I said about, you know, before about home protection and a long gun versus a shotgun. When it comes to a SWAT team, it's a bit different. They'll go into to narrow areas and stuff like that with their uh, with their long weapons. And the reason for that is they operate as a member of a team, they're law enforcement, and while you have members covering the front, you have other people covering uh, the areas behind them, they're clearing rooms, that's what they do. So it would suffice to reason that a SWAT team would have long weapons. Now, in a prison situation, the SORT team, right, Special Operations Response Team, they're a little different. Some of them may have long guns, but others may have their, their handguns. Okay, they may have their Glocks. Uh, and the reason for that is that prison is a different type of environment. So sometimes you will need that, that shorter weapon, that compact weapon, a lot more than, let's say, a long gun. Going back to reality, if you are in the street, you're no longer in your home, you're in the street, I highly recommend a concealed weapon. Some people drive around and they may have different types of weapons in their car. They may have knives, they may have clubs and things of that nature. But nowadays, most criminals carry firearms. That's, that's the reality of the deal. So if you're under attack and you pull out a knife, that's great. But you might potentially be bringing a knife to a gunfight. So keep that in mind. And remember, concealed weapon holders, take the concealed weapon course, get your training, choose the right weapon to conceal, because some people like having these Dirty Harry weapons. For those of you who remember who Clint Eastwood's character was in Dirty Harry, who liked to have that 357 or that 44 Magnum, which is huge, carry a nice little subcompact with decent uh, capacity. And you'll be fine with that. Really, you will. And if you want more capacity, carry extra magazines with you. You know, me, when I carry, it's nice and concealed. And if I want more capacity, and I know it may be in or out of style, don't judge. I do carry a fanny pack from time to time. There I said it. I carry a fanny pack. So what? Extra magazines never hurt. And the fanny pack, depending upon how you wear it, can be stylish. So I said it. I digress. So think of that for a second when you um, are in the street in your car whatever you know a lot of people do carry knives uh, in the street though uh, for those that can't afford the weapons or cannot legally carry a weapon so also keep that in mind now even though I say hey it's better to carry a concealed weapon and things like that don't bring a knife to a gunfight Let's also keep in mind that a person with a knife can close the distance in seconds. In law enforcement, when it comes to the levels of resistance, they recommend anywhere from 22 to 30 feet of distance from a person with an edged weapon. Ladies and gentlemen, that says a whole lot. Because 22 to 30 feet is a long distance. But when you consider that you have to find the weapon, draw the weapon, aim the weapon, and then pull the trigger, that takes, a long, that takes longer than simply having an edge weapon and attacking. Think of it that way. 
So keep these things in mind. Uh, Maintain your constant awareness and just stay on your toes. Now going back to film before my time is up because I know I'm talking a little bit lengthy here. Going back to the way the scene is written. If the scene is written for the character um, to be a complete um, MacGyver when it comes to the use of improvised weapons, then you have to choose the right two-handed and the right one-handed weapon, albeit a weapon of purpose or a weapon of opportunity. Now, a weapon of purpose is a weapon that is meant to do precisely what you're using using it for. A weapon of opportunity is a weapon that just happens to be there that you convert into a weapon for your purpose. Let's get that clear. And for those of you that are of age, if you remember MacGyver, MacGyver's the guy that could invent anything out of anything and get himself out of everything. Imagine that. So if the character is written to do that, you have to place weapons of opportunity and also have the character be skilled with weapons of purpose to be able to have the scene flow the way it's supposed to flow and the character act the way they're supposed to act. So that end product looks absolutely awesome. Secondly, if the character doesn't know how to wield the weapon of purpose, chances are the weapon of opportunity is not gonna work. So it requires first on how to properly wield and understand a weapon of purpose. So you can understand that if the weapon of purpose is top heavy, there's a certain way to swing and wield a weapon of purpose that's top heavy. There's a certain consideration for space, distance, and timing that takes place with a weapon of purpose. Likewise, a weapon of opportunity is similar, top heavy in some way, shape, or form. The same application could be transferred onto that. That's what I'm talking about. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I just wanted to go into that, delve into it a little bit because I found it interesting. I'm sorry that this time around it was a little long-winded, but I thought it was an interesting topic and I hope you find it to be interesting too. If you want to send me an email, it's uh, www... Oh, my bad. If you want to send me an email, it's christianmanganelli11 at gmail.com or tacticalcinematicdevelopment at gmail.com. My last name is spelled M-A-N-G-A-N-E-L-L-I. And basically that was it. Um, Remember, practice earnestly with creativity. Practice earnestly with creativity. Okay, never stop being creative. Never be afraid to uh, step out of the box and into your imagination. All right, stay grinding, my friends. Stay grinding.